Welcome to the Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast with Pastor Mark Holman, helping you to apply faith to your everyday life. Pastor Mark is a senior pastor at the Log Church in Cross Lake, Minnesota, as well as executive director of Faith at Home Ministries. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, motivated, and equipped to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So here we are, so here we go. Hello, everyone. It's Pastor Mark, and thank you for tuning into this episode. As many of you know, I kind of wear two hats. I'm the senior pastor of a wonderful church, uh, the Log Church in Cross Lake, Minnesota, and I also serve as the founder and director of Faith at Home Ministries. And this episode and uh, is going to focus on telling the story of Faith at Home, kind of the the back, so that you can know what what is Faith at Home all about. Where did it come from? What is its purpose? What is it? It's all about. And then the next episode, I'm going to focus on the future of Faith at Home, where some things are headed coming out of this pandemic and for Faith at Home Ministries as well. So thanks for giving me a little bit of your time, because I think it's important that you understand I, when you hear this story of what where Faith at Home came from, I think you're going to have a much better understanding of why it is something that I just love and, and serve, And but it's not about me. So let me go back just a little bit and to kind of the, the very beginning. A lot of people want to know kind of where was Faith at Home birthed or how did it come about? Well, first of all, I mean, it's just one of those things that when I started out, I started out in camp ministry. I thought Bible camp was cool. I thought church was boring. It was really clear to me that... Um, I just didn't want to ever work for the church. I just thought, man, camp though, at Bible camp, everything was real. Everything was, faith was on fire. College students were living disciples for me. Everything was kind of 24 seven. Faith was being lived out, talked about. I mean, a lot of people go to a Bible camp, have a great experience there for a week or for a weekend. And then they go back to the real world and they go back changed or they go back, back impacted by what happened to them at camp and the experience they had, the encounter they had, and how they got closer to Christ, or even many became Christians out at a Bible camp. And, and uh, but that, for me, imagine that, that was my real world. I mean, living at a camp, 500 acres is my backyard, Christianity in the center of everything that you do, Christ in the center of everything that you do, being talked about, lived out, everything you sing, everything was Christ in the center of it. So that's kind of all I knew was faith was 24 seven lived. And so, but yet when I would go to church, I always could never quite figure church out because it seemed like people would dress differently at church, act differently, behave differently. Everyone was kind of buttoned up and buttoned down at church. You were, had to dress up, but yet not say anything and be quiet and behave. And, 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 and it just never made a lot of sense to me. And so I was one of those guys that was never really going to work for the church. We'll never say never to God because you know what happens is that after serving for a few years in camp ministry, after graduating from uh, college, then um, God called me into the church. And I remember when I started in the church, I started, it was kind of a mid-sized church, and, um, I, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about church or how to do church. So I just thought, okay, I'm just going to make it like camp. And kind of my attitude was kind of the same way we did at camp, which was, okay, I'm going to make youth group a lot like camp. I want to sing camp songs, camp games, uh, take the kids to camp, to retreats, and and just create kind of a camp-like environment in, in youth ministry. And of course, my attitude then was towards parents was, why don't you just drop your kids off with me and give your kids to me. I know how to lead them in games. I know how to lead them in Bible study. In fact, parents don't even bother getting out of the car. I mean, just get them here and then I'll take them from there and I'll help them 
know, love, and follow Christ and grow in their relationship with him. And, and of course, parents were like, you you want my kids? And here, here they are. And they it seemed like a win-win situation. Parents were getting free babysitting or a drop-off service and getting a couple hours free or sometimes a weekend free or sometimes a whole week if I'd take them to a week of camp. And parents were loving that and, and everyone was winning or so it seemed. And then um, began some survey work that really started to impact me. A friend of mine became the director of a youth and family institute. His name is Dr. Dick Hardell. Now, when I was in camping, I would bring Dick in to be a speaker at youth retreats because he was a phenomenal communicator, and he was actually a clown. And I mean that literally, like he would dress it as a clown um, and and act things out. And he was just it, just an incredible man and a communicator. And so, but he then became, I'm serving in a church, and he becomes a director of this Youth and Family Institute. So I start connecting with him there, and he's like, yeah, we're, he's like, what's this Youth and Family Institute about? He's like, well, here's the deal. There's a lot of research that's showing that a lot of these kids that are growing up in church are walking away from their faith. Like they're they're getting done with confirmation, they're getting done with youth group, and then they're walking away from Christianity and they're not continuing with the faith. And I was like, really? And then when he started showing me the stats that it was anywhere from 60 to 90% of kids that were active in church programs we're now walking away from the faith as young adults. You're like, oh my goodness, that's I don't want that. I don't want the kids in my youth group to to end up walking away from the faith. And and so what what's going on? Why why is that happening? And then the research started showing some things because it started asking a question of these kids that were walking away from the faith. What why is it that you walked away from the faith? And and usually the number one reason cited was hypocrisy they believed Christianity was hypocritical. And that's because what had happened was they grew up, and yes, they had been active in church, and they had been involved in church programs, but when they went home, the research showed that there was no Bible reading in the home, there was no faith talk in the home, there was no prayer in the home, there was no... So essentially, for many of these kids, Christianity was just something you did at church for an hour. And, um, and then, then they went home and there was no continuation of it at home. And so for them, they were like, when they got a little older, they're like, oh, that was just a program. Christianity is just a program. Christ- oh, yeah, I had a good youth director or yeah, I liked the, the youth group I was in or children's program. But, but really that's, <laughs> I, I was look, they're looking for something more because my parents and a lot of them had their parents that divorced or their parents would, you know, have all sorts of issues at home. And so they grew up with this thing that, Christianity is where you act one way, dress one way, behave one way, talk one way when you're at church. But when you get home, you live act a completely different life. And so for them, they're like, I don't, that's what Christianity is. I don't want anything to do with it. And they were walking away from the Christian faith. And yet they were still searching for what they called true spirituality. They were looking for something more. Well, that's because Christianity was never meant to be something you just do for an hour a week at church. They were essentially wanting Christianity to be like camp where I grew up and where it was 24-7, but they weren't experiencing it. They were experiencing it as organized religion, as something you do at church, but not at home. And so that's when, and so then Dick Hardell kind of looked at me and said, you know, wonder if we should start trying to do youth ministry a little differently, where we have a little more emphasis on helping parents. Because the other thing was there was a group of kids that don't walk away from the faith that stuck with it, never abandoned it. 
And when they were asked the question, well, because that's what we all want is kids to stick with the faith. That group was asked, you know, what, as you look back, what were the things that led you to have a faith that you never walked away from that, that, that stuck a, a faith that lasts. And every time that survey and surveys like that have been done consistently, the answer always is the number one influence that leads kids to have a lasting faith in Christ is mom and dad. In fact, mom and dad are usually two to three times more influential than any church program, no matter how good the church program, no matter how good the youth director is, no matter how good the children's program is, no matter how good the camp experience it is, mom and dad and the influence that they have on leading kids to have a lasting faith in Christ is two to three times more influential than that. So here's reality. It was like, well, do I want to continue to have 60 to 90% of our kids walk away from the faith? Well, no, that's, I don't want that. I want them to have a lasting faith. And if I want them to have a lasting faith, then it's really about mom and dad being the primary influence, not me, the youth director, not making it about me, but Mark, you have to make it more about the parents and you have to start. And now parents aren't doing it in the home. And what's happening in a home is more influential than what happens at church so why don't you start making the home a more important part of your ministry and what happens there? How can we influence parents to be the primary influence? And how can we make the home the primary place where faith is going to be lived and nurtured? How can we make the home like camp? How can we make, how can we do this? And so that's kind of when the genesis of faith at home started in my own, I was trying to then figure it out. And so then we just started doing some things um, where we started engaging parents through our children's ministry program, through our youth ministry program. And, and then God took me to some different churches where I had a chance to be a youth and family pastor in, in larger churches. And so then that gave me more resources to work with. And each one of those churches, we, we took more strides, made efforts, greater efforts to say, okay, glad that you're giving us your kids into our children's program and into our youth program. But here's the deal. Um, if you're just dropping them off with us, expecting us to teach them the faith, stats have shown that that doesn't really work or not nearly as well as something else. There's something, if you want your kids to have faith, there is something more valuable than that, more influential. In fact, two to three times more influential than that. So is that why you have your kids in our program is because you want them to have faith and you want them, oh yes, that's why we brought them here. Great. Good. We do too. But now you have to realize it's about you, mom, and it's about you, dad, and it's about what you do in the home that that's going to be two to three times more effective and more influential than anything our programs do. And so now it all became, and then they look at us, and then, of course, then the next question is, okay, well, how do we do that? And, of course, then we started to realize, how do we help them do that? And how do we as a church, how do we as a children's program, how do we as a youth program, how can we help? parents become the primary influence in the life, spiritual influence in the life of their kids. Because a lot of these parents have never done that. They didn't experience it themselves. They didn't have a dad that was a primary influence or a mom or a primary influence. So we're going to try to help them do something they didn't experience. And they certainly didn't probably have it in their home either. And so the idea of prayer in a home and Bible reading in a home and faith talk and trying to make Christianity something, a lifestyle that you live at home and make the home the primary place, that's that's a paradigm shift. That's a new way of doing things. And then how do we as a church do that? And so then we started doing things, started creating parenting events that we did through our children's program so that we would say as a parent, if you have a kid in our, in our children's ministry, great. One Sunday a year, you have to come with your child to Sunday school. 
And that is going to be a faith at home event where at that thing, you are going to learn another faith skill that we're going to help you establish in your home. So maybe the four year, one year where they're coming with their four year old to Sunday school and we're teaching them how to bless their four year olds. And the next year with their five year old, teaching them how to pray with them at mealtime and at bedtime and at morning time. One year we're teaching them how to read the Bible together, how to whatever, every year. We said we are going to pour in to the parents and we are going to pour into the home. And that event, we, we, we even had, an, we called it Motivate, Model, Practice, and Provide. We're at the Faith at Home event. We're going to motivate you to want to do something at home that you haven't been doing. We're then going to model it for you. So at this event, you're going to see different ways that you can do prayer in home, different ways you can do Bible reading at home. So we're going to motivate you to want to do it. We're going to model different ways because it's everybody who's probably going to do it different. And so we're going to model so you have some options for how to do it. And then we're going to have you practice the third motivate model practice. We're going to have you do it with your child right here because the hardest time is the first time. And if we can get you past that right here, then we're then it's going to make it easier for you to do it at home when you get there. And then we're going to provide, as you leave this event, a resource that we've introduced you to that you did with your child here that you get to take that resource home that's going to help you to continue to do prayer in the home, Bible reading in the home, faith talk in the home, service, worship, whatever it was. And so we were pouring in and spending money into, so that the home was going to get resourced with all sorts of resources. So every year, a parent would get another faith skill, another resource, something, another opportunity to connect with their kids. And we started that in children's ministry, but then we continued it as the kids got older because then we got up into middle school and high school. And that's like, well, why are we stopping? So how do we continue to have parent engagement events, faith at home events for parents to do with their middle schoolers? on different topics and different things that they needed to do because praying with a middle school is going to be much different than praying with a five-year-old. So we may repeat that one, but now it's going to be, how do you pray with a, with a seventh grader? How do you get prayer started there? How do you do it at bedtime, morning time? How do you, how do you do that? How do you do Bible reading at this age? How do you, how do you do a family service project with your teenager? And, And so how do you talk to them about boundaries and, technology and using it as a tool for for ministry, but also safe boundaries with that. Just different topics, different issues that we would have these parent-teen events together. Once a year, you know, come with your seventh grader. Once a year, come with your eighth grader. Once a year, come with your ninth grader. One, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, every year. And then some, we got better and better at it. Then sometimes we would ask parents to come twice a year because we had more we wanted to. And, And here's what was cool is those parents showed up. And even though we maybe had 40% of the kids in our youth program, they, their parents didn't go to our church. Their family maybe didn't go to our church. These, these were what we would call unchurched teens. Or, and yet, for those parent events, those parents showed up. Because at the end of the day, they, they, we were helping them be a better family. We were helping them communicate with their teenager because we we made it that we we want it to go well with you. We want to help improve the parent-teen relationship. So we want to so that's a part of our youth program. And so we're going to invite you parents to come once a year. And when we do, we're going to make it worth your while. And when they walk out of there, they walk out of there motivated. They had a chance to see something modeled. And well, I if that's how I can do that. And then they had a chance to have an experience with their team that went well. And then we give them the resource to continue doing at home. They're like, I like this church. This is what this church has helping us. 
And that's, and we ended up with lots of people then coming to be a part of our church because of the faith at home work that we were doing in children's ministry and in youth ministry. Well, then as God works, I had a chance to do that in three different churches, working with Dick Cardell and the Youth and Family Institute, and, and then becoming a model. Those churches became models for other churches that we were showcasing. And I remember getting a call uh, from this guy that is the number one researcher in the United States. His name's George Barna. Many of you know that name. I mean, just you look up the name George Barna and you will see um, all the books he's written. All the well, he was he was doing some more research about this issue of the home and, and of kids walking away from the faith. And, and, um, and he, he was writing a book called transforming children into spiritual champions where he was wanting to, and he was, he had identified some churches that he thought were doing things differently to equip the home to be primary and parents. And he'd heard about us and, um, the work that we were doing at the church that I was at. So next thing you know, I'm having a phone conversation with George Barna. And we became a model um, for his book, one of the one of the churches that he talked about in his book, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, which was pretty cool. But that was it. A couple years later, I get called to be a senior pastor out in Ventura, California. I was kind of being prepared to be a senior pastor. I was halfway through seminary. My pastor was preparing me for that. The calling came a little sooner than I anticipated, but all the doors opened and it was clear that God was calling us to go. And it was a large church in Ventura, California, a church that that had not just was it a church, but it was also it had a K through eight school. It had a preschool or daycare, if you will. It had a counseling center as well, a campus with all these four different ministries operating out of it, 105 staff all told across all those things. I mean, it just this big, and I'm like 37 years old and becoming a, a new senior, and I'm completely overwhelmed. And I'm following a legend, a pastor that had been there over 25 years. And, and so it wasn't easy at first. And it's tough following a legend and not having ever been a senior pastor at first. And and to be honest, I was struggling a little bit. And it had been there 18 months. We'd, we I did inherit that church had been declining, but thankfully through work that we did, great elders, and and we were able to turn that around and get the church growing again. And, and some exciting things were happening, but I was burning out and, and struggling because I was trying to be the pastor everyone else wanted me to be. And, uh, and it just, obviously that never works. Um, but then I remember having a sit down with my elders and kind of a face-to-face with them and at an evaluation time, and and they pointed out these things that were were spot on correct that I just was struggling in some areas, and so they kind of looked at me and said, "So what do you want to do?" And I remember that at that moment I was like, "Okay, you know," and it just kind of came out of me. I said, "You know, <laughs> I I'm struggling." I'm trying to be what everybody wants me to be. And the last pastor on his last day and my first day, they named a building in his name. And so I kind of thought that now I got to take the baton and start working on how do we continue to grow this church, get it growing again and get it to the point. And so build another building, get more programs going to get more people. And once we have more people, then we can look at our places and what can we do to update our places and make them better. And then, and so that we can do more programs to get more people to then build a bigger place. And once we have a bigger place, maybe they'll one day name a place in my name and that's what I'm supposed to do. And but I don't want to do that. I told him, you know, if you really want to know where my heart's at, my heart's more for what's happening in the homes of the people that are coming here. And I think a lot of people aren't doing it at home, aren't living their faith at home, aren't praying at home. And I think we're creating a great, we got a great school here. That's a lot of people paid money to have their kids, a good amount of money have their kids dropped off here. And for us to teach them the faith and our children's program is a great children's program, but it's probably the best in the community. But the parents are dropping their kids off. Our youth program is probably the best in the community, but 
it's a lot of drop off kids and, and those kids are going to walk away from the faith. And, and so, and I said, my heart is still always been, and I haven't pursued it here, but my heart's always been for the home. And I really don't care how many people we have here at church. I don't care about the programs as much or the places. What I care about are what's happening in the homes. And if we, if I could do what I wanted, I would take everything that we're doing here and I'd say, now let's leverage our school. Let's leverage our preschool. Let's leverage our children's and youth program to make the home our primary target and place that we want faith to be lived out. I don't want people just to have Christ in their hearts. I want to have people have Christ in their homes. And if we could use the ministries of the church to influence the home to be the primary place and for to raise up parents to be the primary influence so that five years from now, 10 years from now, parents are the ones that kids see as their primary influence. That's what I'd like to do. And then I realized I just said that to my elders and they were just looking at me. And then I'll never forget when one of them just said this. Well, I said, I think I speak for everyone here. And I was on the team that called you here as well. That's why we called you here. I was like, whoa, really? Yeah. Do what you've been called to do, and we'll follow you. That's why God called you here. That was a game changer for me. That's when I realized that God had given me faith at home and this whole passion for faith at home, not to turn away from it when I became a senior pastor, but to press into it even more, to now bring faith at home to a church through the senior pastor role not just through the children's role or the youth role, but now as a senior pastor, (coughs) excuse me, and the senior pastor has influence over everything the church does. So now we could introduce faith at home through worship. Now we could introduce faith at home through men's ministry and women's ministry, through, through missions, through, we could have faith at home be a part of every ministry of the church. And that's what we did. And it was during that time, remember that guy by the name of George Barna? Well, somebody in my church came up to me after I had preached a sermon and I had quoted a, a George Barna quote or a statistic from one of his books that a member said, oh, Mark, that's so cute that you that you quote George Barna. And I'm like, well, what's cute about that? Every pastor does that. She goes, no, but you know, right? I said, no, what? She goes, you don't know? I said, what, 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 what is this I don't know? She goes, George Barna lives here in Ventura. I'm like, What? Yeah, he lives right here in town. And actually, he comes to church. He travels a lot, so he's not around a lot. But when he's in town, a lot of times he'll come here to church. He usually sits back over here. He usually wears a baseball hat and so forth. I'm like, are you kidding me? George Barna comes here to church? And and yeah, and she said, yeah, his kids are in our school. I'm like, his kids are in our school. You've got to be kidding me. And she's like, yeah, you should give him a call sometime. Since you're quoting him all the time. I'm like, well, like I'm going to call George Barna. Well, but then I got his number from the school principal, and I decided to give him a call. And Next thing you know, I was doing lunch with George Barna. He, I couldn't ask for a better mentor and friend. He really encouraged me to make faith at home, not just a staple of the church, but he said, Mark, you need to write a book about this. I went, George, I'm not a writer. <laughs> I don't write books. And I'm, and no publisher's going to, I mean, no one knows me. I'm not going to, no publisher's going to care about a book that I'm going to write. And he's like, what do you mean no publisher would write? He's like, you know, don't you? I'm like, no, what? George's like, you don't know? I'm like, what is all this stuff I don't know? He goes, yeah, Gospelite, the Christian publishing house. They're right here in Ventura. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. And he's like, and actually the owners of Gospelite, they, their kids are in your school. I'm like, are you kidding me? It gets better. I was actually coaching their daughter in basketball. I was on the, she was on my basketball team and 
Next thing you know, after the next game, these people come walking up to me and said, we're the owners of Gospel Light, and we hear you're writing a book for us. And I went, what? No, I'm not. And they said, oh, yeah, you are. George Barnett came to us and said he's writing a forward. And if he's writing a forward, because he has a policy that he doesn't write forwards for any books, if he's writing a forward, you are writing a book. And the next thing you know, that's what opened the door, and I wrote my first book, Faith Begins at Home. Still in print to this day. And something written to parents to help inspire, motivate, equip, model, help them establish their home as primary and help them to be the primary influence in the lives of their children. And then eventually that led to a second book, one that I wrote to pastors and church leaders, and that is now entitled The Faith at Home Focused Church. And that has led to a journey that over the next three, three or four years, our church became known for the work that we were doing in this and George opened doors for me and other organizations did. And I started speaking about faith at home and it continued to grow. And then I ended up stepping down as a senior pastor in 2007 and just committing myself full-time to faith at home because three individuals believed in it so much in faith at home that they said, if you decide to step down from the church and do faith at home full-time, we will cover your salary for five years so that you can do that. Tell me that's not God. And so for five years, we did actually turned into seven years, faith at home, full time, traveling, speaking, uh, introducing the concept of faith at home to pastors and church leaders, usually in the morning, doing seminars for them that went to 11 different countries. Over that seven years, our resources got translated into six different languages. And then we had a chance to also then do faith at home parenting events in the evening, where and route resources for parents. So we have some resources that we did for churches, some resources that we did for parents. So the church resources were to help the church establish a faith at home focus as a church. How to weave it into your mission statement, how to become a church that has a faith at home focus running through every ministry of the church. How do you do it in children's ministry, youth ministry, using all the different things that we'd learned and then, of course, as churches started doing it, we started learning from them and using their examples and pointing people, you should check out how this church does it. You should check out how this church does it. And more and more churches all across the world started to have a faith at home focus. But we didn't pay attention. We didn't make them subscribe to faith at home. We didn't keep track of them. We didn't have a, a system where they had to subscribe or where they had to join us because we also have a mantra at faith at home. We believe we are here to serve the church, not sell the church. And one of the struggles that I always had is that during that time, it seemed like when churches or pastors would have a good idea or a good concept, at the time, it seemed very popular to kind of copyright it, trademark it, and then sell it and create conferences and then draw people to, but they were, there was a lot of money being made and, and off churches selling their concepts or ideas to other churches. I just didn't believe in that. I believe that we're here to serve the church and we give everything away. We don't make you. So when people wanted to use the term faith at home, just use it. You don't have to get our permission. And so you will see faith at home sprinkled in all different places and have all different looks. And we just are glad to, if we were an influence, praise the Lord. We just wanted to be used by God to help create a movement that would really challenge the church to look at doing discipleship with a faith at home focus, but that would also look parents in the eyes and say, let's talk to you about how to be a faith at home mom, a faith at home dad. We wrote two little books, one just for dads, one just for moms, faith at home mom, faith at home dad. And then God led us to also speak to grandparents now, faith at home grandparents, because they have a they have even grander influence because they're still mom and dad. 
So they'll always be the number one influence in the life of their adult children. And then they still, and now they have all this influence as grandparents as well. Whew, no wonder Satan wants them out of the game. And so we have to speak into that. And we've been doing grandparenting seminars and, and helping grandparents as well and added that into the mix. And so that's kind of the story of Faith at Home. Faith at Home is now a ministry that has kind of three aspects to it. One is an aspect for churches, and our work is not done. And now we developed a survey for churches, which I'm going to talk about in the next and where we're going in the future. But we can truly help churches assess their, their current Faith at Home re reality and then build a model, uh, a customized model for how to have a Faith at Home focus through every ministry of the church and then how to reassess every two to three years and get back to work and, and add more layers to it so that five, 10 years from now, we truly have made the home the primary place and parents the primary spiritual influence in the life of their children. So we have a process now. We've learned over these years how to do that and how to do it well and how to work with church as well. And you don't have to go to seminars anymore for it. We can just do it online now. And then the other is we just love to help parents, second layer. And we have a lot of resources to help parents. And we're working on a new app for parents, the Faith at Home Prayer app, and, and resources to help parents have a Faith at Home focus as a mom and as a dad. We want, and again, our whole focus is to inspire them, motivate them, model as best as we can, and then give them tools so that they can go practice it and provide resources that they can then continue doing it in their homes. And then our third layer of passion now is with grandparents. Oh, do we love to work with grandparents? Because there are so many grandparents that are... Uh, disconnected or staying a step removed and we need to get them in the game or back in the game. And it's never too late with their adult children as well as with their grandchildren. So friends, that's the story of faith at home. That's where it is and where it is currently. And now I'm a senior pastor. And the beauty of that is faith at home is a part of my calling to this church. When this church called me, I said, here's the deal. Faith at home comes with it. And I can't tell you exactly how much of my time is going to be spent with faith at home versus this church. So if that's a problem, then just vote no. But instead, this church voted yes to call me as their senior pastor and said, we love Faith at Home. We know that you'll work it out to do both, and we want you doing both. And now we're getting to build a model of how we're doing Faith at Home in the church and then also continuing to be served as a director of Faith at Home Ministries. So, friends, thank you for your time. And the next episode is going to talk to you about the future of where Faith at Home is headed. May the Lord... Thank you for listening to today's episode of Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast with Pastor Mark Holman. For more information about this podcast, The Log Church, or Faith at Home Ministries, go to our webpage, herewego.fm. If you were blessed by today's episode and would like to financially support this podcast, please click on the support button at herewego.fm.